Chris Miles was able to retire twice by the time he was 39 years old. But he's not content to just enjoy his own financial freedom and peace of mind. Chris wants you to have your own ripple effect so you can live free today. He's not the financial advisor you expected. He's the anti-financial advisor you deserve. He's jumping behind the mic right now, ready to make waves. Here's Chris Miles. Hello, my fellow Ripplers. This is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Hey, welcome to the show that's for you and about you. Those who work so hard for your money and you want your money to start working harder for you right now. You want that freedom, cash flow, and prosperity today, not 30 or 40 years from now, but right now to live that life that you love, doing what you love with those you love. But most importantly, guys, it's about leaving living a life of meaning and impact because as you're blessed financially, you have the ability to create a ripple effect in the lives of others. Guys, thank you for allowing me to create that ripple effect through you. Thank you for binging, sharing, listening, and applying the things that you learned from here today because seriously, that's what makes my time and my energy worthwhile and what drives me and keeps me passionate and keeps me going, keeps me doing this because my vi our vision here at Money Ripples is to create at least 1,000 financially independent people by 2030. Will that be you? That choice is up to you guys. So anyways, quick reminder, check out our website, moneyripples.com. And do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Money Ripples with Chris Miles page. So check that out. Hey guys, have you wanted to invest in real estate? How would it be if you could do that with just $100 and get good, consistent returns? Well, that's exactly what our friends at Pre-REO does, where they buy these properties in bulk and at discount, be able to turn around and sell them or and or rent them to create profits. And they do this in the crowdsourcing all your monies together. And as a result, pay you a consistent 7% return on your money paid monthly. And on top of that, guys, you even get some liquidity options too. So even though you can have your money in there for years, you're allowed to be able to access that money sooner if you needed to. So if you're interested in being able to invest in real estate with just $100 or more, whether you're accredited or not, go ahead and reach out to our friends at www.prereo.com forward slash money ripples. That's prereo.com forward slash money ripples. Check them out. Guys, so uh, I, I want to take you back, right? Um, because you know I, I don't realize how lucky I am, right? Uh, knowing what I know. And many of you guys are trying to break out of that mold, that traditional mold of the financial advising world. So I want to take you back to why I quit being a financial advisor, because it wasn't because I wasn't making money, because I actually left at the height of my practice. It wasn't even because um, it was stressing me out. Uh, it was purely out of pure integrity that I had to leave, right? I couldn't keep living a lie. This is why I keep what I keep telling you guys that I never teach you anything that I'm not doing myself. Right. Um, just like when I went through the recession last time, I was teaching people how to get out of the rat race. But then when I was back in it, I stopped teaching people how to get out of, rat, out of the rat race, started teaching people how to free up cash flow and get resourceful. Well, then when I got out of the rat race in 2016, you started hearing me talk a lot more about creating passive income, getting out of the rat race, all the things I was already starting to do around 2015 more, more intently. Even though I was doing it slowly, I was really working on digging out of that big debt hole, that million dollar plus debt hole. From about 2008 or nine until like 2015 and even to the 16 and so. So anyways, that's the thing, guys, is that, you know, I want you to get that inside peek into my mindset and that evolution of what happens. So first, you got to understand what I was taught. And I was taught probably the very same things you were taught. And there's a lot of assumptions that if you use these assumptions, it, it ruins everything. And this is what kind of got me poked holes, little holes of doubt 
in my financial planning to where I had to leave. I couldn't do it anymore because I knew the truth. So I want to give you an idea. So I, I started 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. It was just the beginning of 2002. I became a financial advisor. So right after Y2K or, or during Y2K, right after 9-11 had happened. Uh, so great time to get into the market, right? Um, definitely got a trial by fire. It was amazing. I lasted four years as it is. Um, and it was commission only too, by the way. So I was working a you know, you know, full-time job and went down to part-time while I was being a financial advisor too. Um, so here's, here's the thing. Here's what happened is that I was trained by, you know, to be a financial advisor. Now you think you're being trained by financial experts. That's not the case. Uh, let me show you, like, for example, I offered a suite of products. This is one of the sheets I used. This one's actually, uh, if you notice this by American Scandia, that was one of the product providers we had. Notice the education came from these mutual fund companies, right? Now they gave a little great stuff about tax now, tax later, tax never. Um, by the way, if you're listening to this, great, listen to it. And you know, if you're listening to the, the actual podcast on iTunes or whatever, great, listen to it. I recommend you go to that Money Ripples with Chris Miles page on YouTube, subscribe, and actually watch this too. So you can see some of these things. So there are gonna be some visuals here. So you know, the tax now, it's all basically che checking, savings, CDs, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, treasuries, pretty much all the normal stuff, right? Uh, tax later, IRAs, 401ks, and other pensions, variable and fixed annuities, savings bonds, and then tax never, Roth IRAs, muni bonds, which nobody even talks about hardly anymore. Um, and then the rest of them are basically cash value life insurance, right? Those are the tax never, uh, you know, like the, you know, you pay pre-tax money and then it comes out tax-free and all that kind of stuff. So I was sharing this stuff. Notice that all of our materials pretty much came from some sort of financial institution, you have to ask yourself, why are these financial institutions telling me to teach this, right? Um, here's another one. Now, this one didn't actually, I don't think it came from a financial institution. I think I took this out of a book, but it, well, actually it did. It came, <laughs> now think about the book it came from. It came from the financial brokerage I worked with. Um, so we talked about dollar cost averaging. This is just a cheap copy of it, but uh, I actually did a show on this one before. Here, hide my face behind the numbers. There we go. Okay. Anyways, enough playing. So dollar cost averaging, they talk about the benefit of paying money in when the market goes down, right? Because you should see the one that goes straight up. Hey, you have 1700 bucks after putting in 200 bucks a month for six months, right? Um, and then the other one, it goes down then back up to the same price. Same thing. Hey, because even though it crashed halfway, it came back to the same price because you bought it at half price later on, you have the same amount of money as the one that just kept going up. But hey, look at this declining market, you know, like almost you know, pretty much like Great Depression era, it goes from $10 a share down to $1 a share. You have a few months rebuying at $1 a share, pops back only to $4, so only 40% of market recovery, and then boom, $21.40, right? Um, my point that I made in the last podcast was, well, that means the worst time to buy in the market was when it's going up, but that's when they tell you to keep buying, right? Because don't time it. You can't time it. So you don't ever know when the bottom is, so just keep buying. Notice that's a pretty nice sales strategy to ensure that those financial institutions always get paid because the only people that get guaranteed payouts are the financial institutions and the advisors that work for them. Because whether you make money in the market or not, they still get paid their management fees, don't they? That's, you know, you have to understand, you have to understand that they want you to keep putting money in, right? It makes sense. Well, they're trying to tell you, hey, if the market goes down, it's okay, buy more, it's on sale. Well, if that were the case and the market over time actually does go up in almost the entire time, really the graph we're looking at is this up one, isn't it? The one that just keeps going up. 
maybe we should just ignore this up graph and only buy when after every market crash. And usually that takes a couple of years before you hit a bottom, just so you know. When a market starts going down, it takes a couple of years before you hit bottom, then just buy it all on sale. My wife did that and ended up tripling her money in less than 10 years, you know, from doing that thing during the last recession. Same thing could be the case here. It's like, wait, why not just put, save all my money while it's going down for the next few years, wait for it to hit near bottom or wait, think my near bottom, even if it's not at bottom, you're still gonna be better off than people that do it later. So if the market's going up, don't put money in, too expensive, right? I'll just wait until it crashes again, you know, save up that money and then bam, buy it on sale. Because a lot of times it ends up resetting to a certain amount, right? So maybe as it's starting to come back up, you buy a little bit, but then you start saying, oh, it's getting more expensive. I'm done. Sales over. You might actually come out ahead. So I'm just saying. Anyways, that's the kind of stuff I was teaching, right? Now, here's the thing that really, really threw me off. Um, because again, it's not about, it really what it comes down to, it's not about the amount of money you accumulate inside the stock market. It's about what kind of income can be created. It doesn't matter how much you save if you can't have any income coming off of it, right? Well, that's the key. And so when I would teach people about this, I'd say, all right, let's say you're putting away a certain amount a month. So I'm going to you know, share my screen at this point and show you the calculator that I've got up here. Um, I'm just using calculator.net. You guys can play with this all you want. But so here's the thing. I used to teach people that if you have $100 a month, you know, you save it and you get 12%. Now, where did I get the 12% from? Now, if you ever seen the Ibbotson charts, which was bought by Morningstar in the mid 2000s, but Ibbotson was a chart that we always use as financial advisors. In fact, uh, um, yeah, I even have kind of an example of one like right here, right? It looks like this. You see these things since like 1926, stock market's going up, there's the Great Depression, boom, that goes up and up and up, and here we are today, you know? And it says, you know, if you look, if you're able to zoom in on this, it says that, you know, pretty much small cap stocks, so small companies did almost like 11.8%, almost 12% there, while large cap, which is more like your S&P 500, your Dow Jones, that kind of stuff, they did closer to about 10.3%. So when I'm putting these numbers in, naturally, I'm going to do the same thing that Dave Ramsey did. I have a tweet um, that I wish I had it pulled up here. I would share it with you. I have a copy of the tweet message he did, which said, you know, if you save $100 a month for 40 years at 12% return, you should have $1.176 million, right? Um, everybody should retire a millionaire. That was his closing statement on that. So let's talk about that math because that was the same assumptions I give as a financial advisor. So $100 a month, 12% for 40 years. All right, here we go. Oh, that wasn't 1176000 What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Pretty much, <laughs> he messed up on his math, right? Um, I think I figured out it was like 41 point six years or something like that. And there it is. Yep. 41.6 years. How in the heck he got 1.176 million um, from 40 years, 12%, hundred bucks a month. I have no clue. Um, regardless, he was wrong, right? Um, that's not the first time Dave Ramsey has been wrong about something. So let's go back to 40 years. This is what I taught. Now I was teaching people, if you put away hundred bucks a month, you should have about a million dollars in 40 years. Isn't that amazing? Now, 20 years ago, a million dollars was different than it is today, isn't it? Now, many of you are million, millionaires and you didn't even know it, or you, it doesn't even feel like you should be a millionaire because millionaires when I was growing up, like in the 70s and 80s and 90s, meant something. Now, a millionaire means you're pretty much middle class, you know, maybe upper middle class. But if, you're, if you've been old enough or you've lived long enough, having a million dollars of savings or net worth doesn't mean you were, you were rich. It just means that you saved well, you know? Um, 
So anyways, but according to this, if you did it for 40 years, even a hundred bucks a month, you should be there. Well, okay. First off, you didn't hit a million. I think it's pretty much if you hit like a hundred $2 a month, you break the million mark or hit about a million. There it is just over 102 bucks a month, right? Then you hit about a million bucks. So save 103 bucks a month. You're there. But again, it's the faulty assumption that again, it's based on the stock market, right? What are the real returns? Now I went over the last 30 years and I've told you guys this before, even with the massive upswing we've had, where it's been about a 14 and percent return in the last 12 years, we've had now our 13th year up. As long as the market doesn't end down for this year, it's already up about as of Right now, about 16%. Still, if this ends up being the case, that's 13 years in a row up. This has not happened uh, at least since 1926. And that Ibsen chart has not happened ever. Um, there's been good periods where it's gone up, but there's been times it's gone down and, you know, down and up, down and up along the way. Here's the thing. You know, let's say, let's say it is that 8.4%. You know, like I said, it's been about the average. I'll even go higher. I'll even say it's now I'm going back to the hundred bucks a month, you know, 12%, that's 979,000. What if you only earned after fees and everything else? And by the way, if you have a 401k, 7% is more likely. If you get a match, great. You might get up over 8%, right? Especially if you max fund. And if you don't know why that's the case, go back a few weeks. I talked about the lie, the 401k lie, the myth of the match, right? Go listen to that. I talked about the numbers there, but regardless, say you happen to do an S&P 500 fund with hardly any fees in it. You're lucky to pull out still 8%. Okay, 8% is not a million dollars, is it? Look at this, $324,000. Now, here's a big difference, guys. Now, I'd even throw in an inflation here. Now, when I was a financial advisor, I would start to run more conservative numbers, especially after seeing Y2K. And we were coming out of it, you know, this is about 2005. I really started to question these things after three years because you know, one, I was starting to do stock trading and there was guys that were used to be like working for Fidelity that would rip on mutual funds. They're like, no, mutual funds aren't as well they're cracked up to be. I also read a book called Who Took My Money by Robert Kiyosaki. I read that at the end of 2005. Um, that was one of the things that really got me to say, I got it. Yes, mutual funds aren't all they're cracked up to be. Sure. Um, just so you know, by the way, if you have a retirement account, whether it's a 401k or something that's not just buying an ETF, like an S&P 500 fund, the thing is, you're not even likely to even get what the stock market's returning. So even though we say the stock market's average about 8.4% in 30 years, right? Still, regardless, and that's with the highest cycle, the up cycle we've had in the last several years, this is throwing it out of balance, usually between 7 and 8%. Regardless, most mutual, fund, mutual funds never even make it to the same as the SP 500. The vast majority, more than 90% of mutual funds perform worse than the actual S&P 500, Right. So if you're in these different types of funds or you're in these fidelity type funds or whatever, you're probably getting a worse return than even the market itself, right? And you might be happy. You're like, yay, I'm up 13% this year. Guess what? The market's up 16. You've lost 3%. What happens when it goes down? You know, oh, the market lost 20. Oh, but I lost 23, maybe more, right? That's the thing, guys. You got to question this. And so again, real rates of return, not the average rates of return. Again, they always show averages, right? The averages always make it look better. When you look at actual rates of return, it hasn't been that high. So when we're looking, and by the way, even when you look at the Ibsen charts, they're like, well, look at that average. Yeah, they also include the Great Depression to throw those averages up higher because it went down. I mean, the, the market crashed down about 78% during the Great Depression, right? That was a bit at the low of it. And that took three years, by the way, for it to get there from the stock market crash of 1929. It took until 1932 before it hit the low, right? Some people even, there's even a little bounce after the stock market, the initial stock market crash in 1929, people thought it was going back up and then 
drop like a rock, especially those last few years. So anyways, I'm, I'm diverging from this, but again, this all adds up to the psyche that I had at the time, 2005 going to 2006. So when I started putting in 8% to try to be more realistic on people's numbers, and then I saw numbers that were like less than a third, you remember that, that even though that's, that's only 4% less that, that, that now it wasn't a, it wasn't a 4% reduction on this number here. It wasn't even a third cut. It didn't even get it down to just a third. It's more than half of that number because of compound interest. So it's now, if you're not getting as high returns as you thought, that's compounding, not interest being earned. Or I guess we would say not compounding enough, right? So it's like compound loss almost. So now 324,000. Now you might say, well, at least that's a decent amount for saving a hundred bucks a month in 40 years. Um, even though I've put in, you know, 48,000, but still it gained 276,000. Here's the other thing I was looking at as a financial advisor, inflation. Notice I didn't put that in there. I also didn't put any taxes. You still have to pay taxes on that money. So inflation rate. Now I used to, when I put in like a 3% inflation rate, watch what happens. This 324 now becomes just shy of a hundred grand. So you save a hundred bucks a month, right? 48,000 to have a hundred grand a year or not even hundred grand a year lifestyle, hundred grand total, right? After 40 years. So it doesn't feel that much because now inflation's eroding that 8%. Now you're like more like at a 5% net profit, right? A net compounding interest, but that's not all, but wait, there's more. Um, the true inflation rate's much higher than that. So what I would usually do is like, oh, okay. Three's depressing. Let's go down to two. Maybe it's more like two. Oh, that's better. Now it's more like 146,000, 147,000 instead of a hundred thousand. That's better. So I'd show 2% inflation rate. Here's the thing, guys. Figures don't lie, but liars figure. I was like, you know, maybe I can be more conservative. Now they're telling us that 2% is always the target lately, right? But the truth is it's not because we know that inflation is way higher than that. Um, not just this year, in general. Uh, even if you want to look at private universities, you know, uh, colleges, they're anywhere. The public colleges are going up 5% a year with state help funding, right? While private universities that don't like all that state funding are going up 7% a year. So if you really think about inflation rate, and yeah, you could say it's different here and there, but the truth is it's probably closer to at least five to 7%. I'm going to put in four just to play devil's advocate against my own freaking point. But let's just say that it's 4%. Look, now that hundred bucks a month that I thought was going to give me and make me a millionaire, or as Dave Ramsey would say, beyond a millionaire, right? Now it's $67,000 of actual purchasing power. 67,000. That was your retirement account. Is it no wonder why people are retiring with less money than they thought? By the way, those that are over the age of 65, they got a little over a quarter million dollars right now. That's the average they're reporting currently. Again, that's the average, right? Some are more, some are less. But think about it. Those that are in retirement age got maybe a quarter million dollars. That's not a million. And, and just so you know, 1985, when 401ks started to come out, and then by the way, people were saving before 401ks, right? But 401ks came out about 1984 to 1985, depending on the companies. So if you were saving, that's now for 35 plus years, you would think, hey, I should be doing better because I've been putting away more than hundred bucks a month. In fact, what if they were putting in an average 500 a month, right? Cool. Well, they should have over a million dollars, not, you know, quarter million, right? And so even if it's a hundred bucks, you know, even that end balance still 215, that's more like it but maybe they're not getting that. What if the return is actually more like 6% for the last 35 years, right? I know it's a little bit more than that, right? But again, when they get their actual returns after fees, 
and their funds aren't performing that well, say they are putting away on average 400 bucks a month or 5,000 a year. Cool. Now they're up to a half million, but that took 35 years to get to a half million. Come on guys. That's not much. So anyways, I'm going back to this hundred bucks a month example, because the truth is it's just not enough, right? So 30 going for 40 years again, but with inflation, boom, it's killing it. You're 67,000 after inflation. That's not enough. So I'd have to tell people you have to save more. Well, what if we make it a thousand dollars? This will 10 times it. Yay. 3.2 million. That should be a lot, right? Well, in 40 years after inflation, is it really? That's about 675,000. So imagine you saved and you said, you know what? This is a sacrifice for me. And now I'm left with an equivalent of 675,000. Well, that's not cool. Oh, and that 675,000 now needs to be taxed. Great. You know, but remember it's 3.2 million. Now I would think as time goes on, maybe tax rates are going to ease up a little bit. Maybe they won't. Um, they could be worse. They may have to pay for more programs because of all the debts we've accumulated over the last few generations, right? It's hard to say, but the truth is, is that we're left with less than $700,000. Now, if that's what you got to live on, remember that's, you got to think that's the lifestyle. Now you're supposed to live on what? 4%? Now, again, when I was a financial advisor, I realized that living on the 4% rule, the hoping to not run out of money was a little too aggressive, especially if you start moving into retirement accounts, more like bond funds and things like that are more conservative. You're lucky to maybe pull out two or 3%. So again, play devil's advocate against my own point. 3%, you pull out 3% of that 675,000. Guess what? Now you're pulling out about an equivalent of 20,000 a year. So you just put away 12,000 a year to now live on maybe 20,000 a year. That doesn't sound great, does it? This is the problem I have with financial advising. It, it, it just blew my mind. I was like, this, is, this stinks. <laughs> this is horrible. So anyways, now that I've kind of depressed you, this is what depressed me. Imagine being a financial advisor thinking, how do I make this work? How do I make, make this work where I could still be in integrity and tell people? Like I, I was having to tell them to save a lot more than what they were planning on, right? Put away a lot more money. Some of these people were like brand new, freshly out of college. They couldn't put away a thousand bucks a month at that time, especially 20 years ago. Not at all. They were, it's like maybe a, you know, at most 400, 500 bucks a month, especially as they're starting a new family, a new life, trying to buy a new home all this kind of stuff that was getting in the way, right? That didn't work. So what did, you know, what, what, did, what happened? So again, when I was, I was dealing with this dilemma, I was realizing it wasn't as exciting. I wasn't excited to teach people this stuff because there wasn't much to look forward to. They would have to really put away a ton of money or somehow get a better return, but I couldn't promise that. Uh, that's the truth. I mean, I, I mean, ask a financial advisor, do you guarantee 10 or 12%? It's much exci more exciting. If I said, Hey, let's put this at 12%. If I would have been ignorant. I'd be like, look at this thousand bucks a month. You have almost $10 million. And Hey, if you only do a 2% inflation rate, that's still like living on 4.4 million. That's amazing. You can live over a hundred thousand a year again, but again, you're not getting 12%, right? I get, if you're lucky, 8%, doesn't matter if you have a 401k match or not. It's just not enough. This is why I tell people it's not enough to retire unless you're going to plan to live dirt cheap. Remember this, you know, after inflation, everything else, you know, especially when you have inflation more at real rates, you start to realize you're probably not going to have much to live on. You know, a $20,000 a year lifestyle before tax, <laughs> before you pay taxes on it. So you maybe are left with 15,000, 16,000 to live on. No wonder people are fighting for social security still to this day, even after saving for retirement. And who do they blame? They blame you. They blame you as the retirees for this, right?
here's what all changed for me. Here's the hope, right? Here's what happened in 2006. My friend said, that's not the case. What if, you know, what if you had more money than that? And now we're just going to the simple math here. You could live on 10%. And by the way, the numbers he was giving me were much bigger than that. It was much crazier numbers. He was talking about 24%, 30% a year. Um, and he was talking about, you know, hard money lending and things like that, because back in 2006, people were charging exorbitant amounts of money in higher interest than everything else for borrowing money because people make so much money in real estate. Well, just imagine this, this, let's just go with that 24%. I'm not saying this is the current reality, right? But this is what got me to wake up. And so I said, well, what if you did happen to save, you know, a hundred thousand dollars. Now, if you had a hundred thousand dollars living on 3%, 3,000 a year, you can't live on that. You would run out of money. There would be no hope. There was people I knew that had $500,000 that I was saying, you have no hope. In fact, my dad was one of those people. He had saved into his 401k like crazy. He was a big saver, a hoarder even. And then still, I was like, dad, unless, you know, based on how your expenses are, you better hope you die in less than 10 years because you're going to run out of money. That was, that was a great hope I was giving him. But I was trying to be honest as being his financial advisor. I'm like, listen, you haven't saved enough. But imagine you have $500,000, right? And that pays you 2% a month or 24% a year, 2% a month. Well, now all of a sudden that 500,000, instead of living on 3% a year, 15,000 before taxes, you know, less than that after taxes, maybe you have 12,000 after taxes, but instead that 500,000 now, 2% a month, 24% a year is now much different. That's now 10,000 a month or 120,000 a year. 10,000 a month is way different than 12,000 a year. Wouldn't you agree? That woke me up because then I realized it's not about accumulating this money and trying to get this big fat nest egg. That was my goal. I want to save $2 million in the mutual funds so I can live on that two or 3%. So I could have like 60,000 a year. Cause I thought 20 years ago, 5,000 a month was awesome, right? This is when I was just starting with a young family, you know, 5,000 a month felt like an amazing amount of money back then. Now, not so much, right? 20 years later, it's not the case. Um, you, you know, now people are saying at least 10,000 a month. Is what they're saying. And I have a lot of people even saying 20,000 a month is more like that number. Um, regardless, that's why I tell people about every 10 to 12 years, you need about double, you know, with, with the way it's inflation's going, you need about double at least every, at least every 12 years. So anyways, so that was my goal. That's not a good enough goal now, but now let's just take that $500,000 example. What if you only earned 1% a month now? Now, 1% a month is much more realistic, right? There's plenty of in investments that I've been recommending my clients that they do make that kind of money, right? They, they do make at least 10, 11, 12% a year in their investments. Never guaranteed, right? It's not a guarantee at all, but at least they have some consistency. In fact, they even have contractual things in there. It's not like the stock market where you have zero say in the matter, they have contracts with people, especially people that are doing real estate, whether they're doing lending, whether they're buying the property themselves and they're getting collecting rent checks. And by the way, you can make a lot more than 10 or 12% a year total when you put in all the different, the four different returns that you get from real estate when you buy your own rentals. Um, there's even syndications, you know, where you can invest in apartments and self-storage and assisted living, and you can even do oil and all that kind of stuff, right? You can buy a franchise and you can do all kinds of things to make your money work for you better than gambling it in the stock market. But like I said, even if you got, say you got 12%, right? 12% of your money, which is a good solid return right now. Um, I, I think when I see 12%, especially if somebody puts it contractually 12%, I think, great. I love it. That's what I like to see, right? On my rentals, I like to see at least a 12% cash on cash return on my cash flow after I pay management fees, 
after I've paid my mortgage, taxes, insurance, and everything, I want to see at least a 12% cash on cash return. That's 1% a month. $500,000, what does that mean? $5,000 a month. That's $60,000 a year. That's much, much better. <laughs> and, and especially if it's in the real estate game, you can take off a lot of things like depreciation and tax benefits that you get to keep most of that money versus again, 500,000, pull off only 3% because again, you're in that accumulation and then inflation is going off on you. You don't want to run out of money, especially if you're younger, the younger you are, the less you should pull out. You may be able to pull out 2% if you're like in your thirties trying to become fire, right? Financially independent, retire early. You might want to pull out only 2% so you don't run out of money because there's no guarantee the market was going to go up. Uh, so again, those kind of things when it came into my mind, I'm like, my goodness, you know, even if I made 1% on that, 12,000 after tax, if I'm lucky versus 60,000 a year, that's five times better. Even conservatively, three or four times better is still better. Now there was hope. Now I got excited. That's why in 2006, I got super excited. Eventually I had to leave. I realized that high risk creates high return is a falsehood. I knew that going in it for the long haul and telling them that you're in it for the long haul when the market goes down, especially, bogus. That's just to keep people's money in. Living on left, less than the interest. Bogus because they want to keep making money on your money, right? All these things we've been taught by, by financial institutions that are now taught through financial advisors are all things to sell us. And that's what I realized. 2005, I realized I was a salesman in a suit. Unknowingly, I was a pawn in the bigger scheme of things. For you, that's not the path I want for you. This is why we teach you something different. This is why I had to leave being a financial advisor because what I'm going to try to tell people like, well, yeah, you can get these returns. Is that guaranteed? No, no, no. I can't guarantee anything. You know, sometimes there'll be some little guarantee type stuff, but it's not 10, 12%. It's like, maybe like, Hey, you might be able to make five, six, 7% of these annuities or whatever. Right. Whoop, do freaking do not a big, that's not that big of a deal. It's not enough to get you to be financially free. When I started to see the whole other side of this, that's when there was hope. That's when I was excited though. I started to feel passion again. And the funny enough is that that's why I had a March of 06. I had to leave being a financial advisor, vowed never to go back to it again. I was just going to become financially free myself, keep doing mortgages, teach ballroom dancing, do a little stock coaching on side and, and just live my life. Little did I know that my life would lead me down this path today to where I am here now, having you know, come out of the rat race in 2006, later that summer, I was able to be financially independent and was back in the rat race by the end of 2007. And uh, had to dig out of a million dollar plus debt hole to come back out of the rat race again by 2016. Guys, I've done this and proved it a few times. And not just for me, there's other clients that have done it too. I can promise you, after seeing the evidence and talking with thousands upon thousands of people that have put their money in the stock market, in mutual funds and things of that nature, it has not been enough and it will not be enough for them to, to be there. Just like I've had people come to me, they're saying, hey, I've got a couple million dollars now. Um, passive income is making me is like nothing great. Can we turn that couple million dollars into a couple hundred thousand dollars a year? How would that be? Awesome, right? It would be life-changing. That's the thing that we're trying to teach you to do. But again, you got to break free of that mold. You got to free your mind away from that kind of stuff, away from all the marketing, all the sales pitching and everything else that come from those guys and do something different. That's what we're here to teach you guys today. Now, if you got, like I've said before, you know, I said this last week, but if you got at least a few hundred thousand dollars, Great. Reach out to us, contact us to see what kind of cash flow you can create, passive income you can create in your situation. If you don't, then we've got that other program as well, the Wealth Accelerator Academy. You can check out on our website. Either way, guys, um, we are here to advance you to that place. But for you, whether you do it with us or you do it on your own, the key is you got to break free of that mold, do something different, 
invest differently than what you've been taught to do. Do not buy that, that bill of goods that's been sold to us for so many decades from financial institutions. You are in control of your own money. You need to take control of that so you can take control of your freedom and your life and live that life that we talk about where your work optional, where you work because you want to, not because you have to. That's the goal, guys. Make it a wonderful and prosperous week and life. We'll talk to you later. Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.